Welcome to VLGA Connect. It's time for the weekly newsroom segment where I'm joined by the CEO of the VLGA, Catherine Arndt, all rested and refreshed, it certainly appears to be, after the long weekend. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Chris. And how about you? Did you have a nice long weekend? I did, thank you. It was very relaxing, very quiet, I'm very pleased to say. Inside with the fire going most of the time, cleared a couple of items off the Netflix watch list did a few other things around the house. It was very enjoyable. I was about to ask you what you watch, but perhaps we'll do that offline and we won't, you know, distract our viewers from the important news of the day. Separate segment, perhaps. <laughs> we'll do our Netflix watch, flick, uh, watch list episode. Um, well, the big news of the day is, of course, the Queen's Birthday Honours, and we're very pleased to see some local government people being recognised, Catherine. Yes, uh, congratulations to Coral Ross, uh, who's been recognised for her work in the gender equality space. Um, Coral, of course, was the past president of the MAV and a long-term councillor at Burundara. Uh, Glenys Remains, who was a councillor at Moreland, has also received an honour. Glenys was also in the Legislative Council in Victoria, uh, I think back in 1999. So congratulations, Glenys. Um, and she's also a long-term um, individual member of the VLGA. Oh. Uh, Ken Smith, who we had on the program the other day, Dean of ANZOG, has uh, received an honour. And also um, the former AUGWA Victoria President, Pam Robinson, um, has received another order um, to back up one that she received um, a number of years ago. Pam, of course, was a um, councillor, I think, at Violet Town um, many years ago. So congratulations to all of those local government um, Honour recipients. 1982, I think I read, for, for Pam and Violet Townshire. So that's going back a bit. Great to see those being recognised. There's been quite a bit of discussion going on on how the Honour a Woman campaign is going and what impact it's had. I think it was 44% nationally, Catherine, 53% in Victoria of the honours announced uh, this time around went to female recipients. That's right. And, of course, Ruth McGowan, who many of our viewers would know, is an active... Um, organiser of that Honour a Woman campaign. And I believe that Pam Robinson um, has also worked on that campaign. So look, that, that their work, of course, is um, getting traction and absolutely um, for all of the good reasons um, that they advocate for. I did notice Ruth being quoted in the media as saying, yes, it's an improvement, but it's not, we're not quite there, that uh, parity should be the aim. And Absolutely, all uh, all power to that aim and that uh, that objective. Indeed. Ter terrific. I'm not sure what the best place to go to to have a look at all of that. I saw a, a list on the Age website. I think that was searchable, which was uh, which was very handy. But I'm sure there's an official list somewhere as well, Catherine, where you can look up who's received an honour. Absolutely. We, if, if we do locate it in time, um, we can send it out with this episode of Newsroom. The other thing, of course, that's really impacting on some councils in parts of the state is the big weather event. Honestly, some councils feel like they're in a permanent crisis mode as far as natural disasters and emergencies are concerned, don't they? Yeah, look, um, absolutely. Yet again, we see our councils at the forefront of um, you know, cleaning up after a natural disaster. A number of residents, of course, are still without power and are still actually not back in their homes. Uh, so that work is continuing. I believe Yarra Rangers Shire is, is particularly busy with those cleanup efforts. And um, we're, you know, our thoughts go out to all of the, um, you know, the residents who've been impacted. 
Um, I was reading this sort of ties back to the first item we were talking about, uh, the general manager of Bega Valley Shire in New South Wales, Catherine Leanne Barnes, was recognised in the Queen's Birthday Honours. I was reading about uh, her service. She's been at that council for 19 years. And since 2015, uh, she's been the general manager for a while. Um, since 2015, they've dealt with 15 uh, natural disasters. That's extraordinary, isn't it? That mm. 15 since 2015. In six years, yes. Wow. And then, of course, you know, and a, a global pandemic to boot. I'm sure that's one of the one of the 15. One of the 15, so, you know, some councils really get more than their fair share of, uh, of, of crises to deal with, don't they? Look, they do, and it, it still concerns me and, and certainly the VLGA that, that often, you know, a number of um, stakeholders, including residents themselves and voters, not necessarily in those areas that, such as Bega, but, um, you know, who don't actually see all of the work that councils do have responsibility for and the services that they deliver. And this is just another example of, I think, one of the 140-odd services that councils deliver, essential services to the community. Indeed. The other big news story that we talked a bit about on the governance update with Steve on the weekend was the Supreme Court decision in relation to uh, former Warrnambool CEO uh, Peter Schneider, now reinstated CEO, according to the Supreme Court, outcome. Uh, it's a bit early to say what the implications may or may not be for the sector, because I know people are still reading over that decision. Um, were you surprised by the outcome, Catherine? Well, look, again, I, I, I'm not a lawyer, and I would really need to understand some of the intricacies from the legal argument perspective to, to form a, a view on that. Uh, but it is a, a significant decision, I think, for the local government sector and, and creates potentially some precedent there um, that, that the sector should, should note and be aware of. We, of course, hope to be able to go into more of that analysis from a legal perspective uh, on another uh, episode of, of governance. But, look, I think um, I'll, I'll be really interested to you know, to get that summarised for me and also uh, the implications for the sector. Phones are certainly running hot on that topic. I'm sure there's a lot of people wanting to understand, if at all, that is going to have some um, more far-reaching um, effect. So stay tuned for that one. First of July is coming around quick. The new EPA legislation is coming to, into effect. There's a number of implications or impacts on local government arising from that new legislation, but there's some pretty good initiatives we're starting to hear about as well. Yeah, look, that's right, and I believe they're um, launching a regional air quality um, program, and, of course, that's something that um, has been um, raised before in terms of the work of the EPA and and perhaps the, their inability to address some of the air quality issues in, in particularly the western suburbs. So I think for those councils out in the western regions, they'll be welcoming um, some of these this new legislation. It would be good to have, um, I think there's a new CEO now at the EPA. Yes, I was on, about to say that. Lee Mises is his name. 
That's right. To have him on the program to talk about the implications of that that legislation for the local government sector. I will look forward to meeting Lee and hopefully chatting to him, assuming he accepts the the invitation. And we'll include a link in the show notes to uh, to a media story about that new air quality network. I know some parts of the state have felt for a long time that more could be done to monitor and respond to um, things that are having impact on on air quality, so stay tuned. Uh, the Premier's coming back to work, Catherine. Yes, so we've heard um, recently uh, on the 28th of June, I believe is the date that he anticipates his return. And uh, I imagine there'll be, um, you know, a lot of work for him to do. Um, and, you know, we wish him all the very best for his return. Absolutely, we do. And also coming up is the big uh, annual event. And of course, it didn't happen last year because of COVID, certainly not to the extent that it would normally. And that is the National General Assembly for the Australian Local Government Government Association. That's right. The ALGA National Conference kicks off on Sunday, the 20th of June, I believe. I think they're holding a hybrid conference this year. So what we might do is just include the link to the conference with this program. Mm -hmm. And I should also mention um, that there is a national uh, summit, uh, Respect at Work Summit being held on the 21st of June. It was originally um, scheduled to be in Canberra, I think to sort of be alongside this this national ALGA conference, but the um, Respect at Work National Summit will now be a virtual conference, so we can include the link to that also. So in terms of VLGA upcoming events and VLGA Connect uh, topics, we've got quite a bit happening with leading the agenda only a few weeks away on the 9th of July now, Catherine. I believe the registrations are going very well for that. Oh, look, they're just going great guns, Chris. As soon as we um, advertise that event, uh, the the, uh, registrations have come in thick and fast. Of course, because it is a face-to-face event, that there will be limited um, numbers. Um, So if people haven't registered, they should do that fairly quickly. And we're looking at the topic on the 9th of July of Audit and Risk Committees. We've got a great panel lined up there. We have um, Mark Dupay, the CEO of Borbor, Shire Council, Katie Baldwin uh, on the Risk and Governance Committee at Monash City Council and also the Head of Internal Audit at the CSIRO and Richard Wilson, who is a risk partner at Pitcher Partners. So well worth um, coming along. We've had a lot of interest from councillors for that particular um, session, which was good. Uh, Of course, it's it's open to officers and councillors and any interested uh, person who'd like to come along. Perhaps their new councillors who have been appointed as their council's delegates to their audit and risk committees, possibly, Catherine? Well, possibly, and let's hope so, because it would be very, very relevant to them to come along. Uh, later this week, I'm looking forward to a chat with the three current chair administrators that are in, in office in Victoria at the moment for that discussion that you've been flagging for a while that uh, people are interested in, just what is the difference between an administrator and a councillor. Yeah, that's coming up on Friday, uh, isn't it, Chris? Yes. yes, that'll be terrific to have all three or representative for, or, or chairs, I should say, of the three councils that do currently have administrators in place um, and looking forward to being part of that as well, that discussion. And perhaps our final upcoming note is the, before I, we get on to the very important topic of VLGA board elections, 
We've got a global panel lined up, and that's coming around very quickly too, the 15th of July, to talk about child-friendly cities. Yeah, I can't believe we're talking about events on the 15th of July. Uh, I was reflecting actually earlier today of how many episodes we've, we've done of VLGA Connect, and I think it's over a year ago now that we kicked off, and now we are here we are again. Um, fortunately, I, I'd say, because um, this is a terrific um, program and platform to get out there to the sector really quickly. But yes, the 15th of July with our um, partners LGIU, which are a, a UK-based global local government think tank, talking about the impact of COVID on children and young people and really looking forward to hearing the panellists talk about the initiatives that their particular municipalities have put in place to respond to that. Yes, we've got the Commissioner for Children and Young People from Victoria, Leanna Buchanan, and we've got the CEO of Aberdeen City Council in the UK, just two of the members of that panel. So there's going to be some really interesting uh, insights, I'm sure, coming out of that. Absolutely. And we've had Liana on the program before, and it's always a pleasure to hear from her and the work of that commission. So stay tuned for that. We'll no doubt talk more about that in the lead up. That's just a month away. I, I'm not sure if registrations are open yet, Catherine, but stand by for some more information on that. But in the meantime, it's VLGA board election time. That must be about to close. It is, Chris. So VLGA board election, the voting closes at 5pm tomorrow, which is Wednesday, the 16th of June. If councillors haven't received or, or haven't picked up their um, email with the voting instructions, please check um, your junk and other email boxes because it um, may well have gone in there. As we know, council email servers often direct third-party email traffic um, to those other boxes, so please check that. Um, all councillors at a VLGA member council are entitled to vote. If you've got any questions, please contact the VLGA. Indeed, and we look forward to hearing the, the outcome of that. Now, one last note, Catherine, question without notice. I understand that Louis is going into plumbing. Yes, he has. He's just chosen a different way of torturing his toys. Uh, uh, he's moved on from disemboweling those toys to drowning them after I found a beanie boo in the toilet over the weekend. Um, anyway, uh, the joys of having a nine-month-old Labrador puppy. Indeed. And who knows what he's been up to in the time it's taken us to record this program. So I feel like we should let you go. Indeed. I, I, I will just don my Hascam gear and <laughs> go and check it out. Thanks, Catherine. Always good to catch up. Have a great week and we'll see you again soon. See you then, Chris. Catherine Arndt, the CEO of the VLGA with us for our regular newsroom segment here on VLGA Connect. Mm -hmm.